the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Are you ready for shelter in place? It could be coming to a neighborhood near you. Today at a press conference, the mayor of New York City, Bill de Blasio, said New Yorkers should be prepared for it. You know what that means. It's coming. San Francisco did it yesterday, told 7 million people to stay home unless they go to the supermarket or the drugstore. They can go there and said that it would be okay if they wanted to, you know, go for a walk. That would be all right. They have 814 confirmed cases in New York City right now. And Mayor Bill warned everybody uh, about it. And if it's in San Francisco and New York, you know it's coming here. Uh, Meanwhile, I have a question. Now, if we have shelter in place here, uh, except for the trips to the supermarket, why do I want to work in a supermarket? Seriously. Uh, you're going to pay me 12 bucks an hour to stock shelves or run the cash register so that everybody in the neighborhood can bring their germs in for me while they get their food and their toilet paper? Why would I do that unless they at least quadrupled my pay and maybe gave me a hazmat suit? I mean, that's just, what is that? Meanwhile, uh, what if it's all a big waste of time? Remember Ron Paul? He grew up right down the street here from here, by the way, where I am right now here in Green Tree. He ran for president a couple of times. He's a doctor. Here's what he said uh, at uh, Ron, what is that, the uh, Ron Paul Institute for Peace and Prosperity. He wrote a piece, the headline for which is the coronavirus hoax. He says it's ironic to see the same Democrats who tried to impeach President Trump last month for abuse of power, demanding that the administration grab more power and authority in the name of fighting a virus that thus far has killed less than 100 Americans. State and local authoritarians love panic as well. The mayor of Champaign, Illinois, signed an executive order declaring the power to ban the sale of guns and alcohol, cut off gas, water, or electricity to any citizen. And the chief fearmonger of the Trump administration is without a doubt Anthony Fauci, head of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases at the National Institutes of Health. Fauci is all over the media, serving up outright falsehoods. He's a doctor now, Fauci. So is Ron Paul, of course. Stirring up, uh, serving up falsehoods to stir up even more panic. He testified to Congress that the death rate for the co- coronavirus is 10 times that of the seasonal flu, a claim without any scientific basis. And what are they doing this over? A virus that has thus far killed just over 5,000 worldwide and less than 100 in the United States. By contrast, tuberculosis, an old disease, not much discussed these days, killed nearly 1.6 million people in 2017. Where's the panic over this? And what people like Fauci and the other fear mongers are demanding will uh, likely make the disease worse. The, pre- the panic produced by these fear mongers is likely helping spread the disease as massive crowds, as I said a little earlier there, cr- uh, rush into Walmart and Costco, or Giant Eagle, uh, for that last roll of toilet paper. And uh, Ron Paul goes on to say, This is not to say the disease is harmless. Without question, people will die from coronavirus. Those in in vulnerable categories should take precautions to limit their risk of exposure. But we have seen this movie before. Government overhypes a threat as an excuse to grab more of our freedoms. When the quote-unquote threat is over, however, they never give us our freedoms back. That's uh, Ron Paul, and I'm just telling you what Dr. Paul said. When we come back, Donald Trump's economic advisor, former economic advisor, will tell you why government spending in a crisis isn't necessarily a good idea. Stick around.
They blow into town with the wind, rain, and hail. And out-of-town storm chasers going door-to-door, often posing as a local company, offering a quick fix to desperate homeowners. If you've had damage to your roof, windows, siding, or gutters and downspouts, you may be eligible to get them replaced or repaired free of charge. Just be careful who you call. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com for a free inspection from one of their highly trained appraisers. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, doors, and of course windows. If damage isn't your issue and you just want something new, you'll love their no-pressure approach, no hidden fees, and one of the fastest turnaround times in the industry. A company who will never skip town when it comes to honoring their warranty. Visit WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Mention STAG for an additional 10% off. Windows R Us, proud sponsor of the Jerk of the Week, heard every Friday on the John Sagerwald Show. WindowsRUsPittsburgh.com. Most clubs you join require an initiation fee or a club membership, but not the AM1250 Discount Shopping Club. In our club, you save as much as half. That's right, 50% on gift certificates and items from local restaurants, health services, and much more. Discount deals just in time for birthdays, special occasions, or just because. And all from the comfort of your own computer or smartphone. Great deals and awesome savings. Log on now to TheAnswerPGH.com. Keyword shopping. At Harry's, we work day and night to make shaving enjoyable. We think we've got it down to a science, actually. It starts with the most important stuff, our five-blade cartridges. They're strong, sharp, and made in our world-class German factory. Our craftsmen are a meticulous bunch. They're obsessed with quality, which is why we offer a 100% money-back guarantee. As for the handle, it's grippy and weighted for extra control, even when wet. Lastly, we have this whole no-ripping-people-off policy, which means we keep our prices fair every day. Take our blades. They cost as little as $2 each because we think more money in your pocket is as enjoyable as it gets. When you're ready to start shaving the enjoyable way, get your Harry starter set. It includes a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and travel cover, all for just $3. Free shipping included. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388 at checkout. Harry's, engineered for enjoyment. If you're in HR, you're probably wearing a lot of hats. Recruiter, team builder, trainer, mediator, policymaker, and of course, paper pusher. But not anymore. Bamboo HR is the number one HR software for small and medium businesses. It manages all your employee data easily and automates countless tasks so you can focus on people, not paperwork. Bamboo HR frees you from spreadsheets so you can do your real job, creating a great place to work. If the data shuffle and paperwork mountain have you ready to hang up all your hats, you're ready for Bamboo. If you handle HR records and paperwork, Bamboo HR is a dream. Let us free up your time and put your days of pushing paperwork behind you so you can focus on the people and making your company a great place to work for everyone. Try PC Magazine's top pick for HR software free today. Just go to BambooHR.com slash hats. This is a limited offer only available to radio listeners at BambooHR.com slash hats. That's BambooHR.com slash hats. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, there's new stuff coming out uh, from the government just about every minute. President Trump's trying to come up with ways to pump up the economy while we deal with the coronavirus. Stephen Moore was a senior economic advisor to Donald Trump in 2016. He's the author of Trumponomics, Inside the America First Plan to Revive Our Economy, and he joins us now. Stephen, thanks for coming on again. I appreciate it. Well, good to be with you. I wish it were uh, better times right now. It's so surreal, isn't it? With uh, Pittsburgh, but, you know, in D.C., where I am, it's just like a ghost town. It's so weird, you know? Very strange. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, 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 Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say that this is this is not going to last forever. It's going to last, in my opinion, three or four weeks, and we're going to get this thing stabilized. And then, when that you know, once that happens, then we have to get the economy moving again because you right. know this is a big hit for the economy. I mean, nobody's working right now. I mean, it, I shouldn't say nobody, but you know, huge numbers of people are staying home, and that that uh, is going to be a hit to the economy. So. You know, let's do what we can to to uh, you know get moving with the economy when this is over. And and one other quick thing, if I may, you know, I think people always make a mistake in selling stock during a down market because they get afraid. You know, they see the market falling, so they feel like they have to sell. And and well, my one piece of financial advice to your listeners: you never, 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 never sell during a down market. You're always making a big mistake when you do that because, and I'm not saying the sell-off is over. It may not be. What I'm saying is 
two or three or four years from now, you're going to be, if you, you know, in fact, I bought stock yesterday because, you know, uh, two or three or four years from now, those stocks, especially the blue chips, they're going to be, I think they'll be like double what they are today. So, uh, the smart people are buying. If the, uh, the smart people exactly. who have the money to buy, and not everybody has enough. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, you have to have the money, and, and you have to be. You know, I'm talking about like if you have a retirement account or a college yeah. education account or something. Now, so uh, I was going to talk to you about. Oh, we just lost him. Um, okay, I, I was just going to say that I had planned to have Stephen on yesterday to talk about. Um, or I, I originally contacted him. I think last week, whatever it was, to, to talk, come on and talk about a piece he wrote about how mass transit is making gridlock worse. And we ended up talking about that quite a bit yesterday. Um, and I read from his piece. But uh, since everything that's happened here in the last day or so, uh, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the uh, coronavirus and the stimulus and everything that uh, that President Trump's been trying to do and what he's done today and uh, trying to pump up the businesses airlines other other uh, businesses that have really taken a big hit and will continue to take a big hit as long as this uh, goes on so we lost him and somehow uh, we haven't been able to get him back we're still trying to get him back oh okay I wonder if something happened there uh, we'll, we'll we'll keep working on trying to get him back um, to get back to uh, I, I think it's it's interesting the, the the piece that I'm going to talk to him about is he wrote a piece today for um, CSN.com CSNnews.com and the headline is why government spending just doesn't cut it in crises and he makes a pretty good case for not panicking and not spending a lot of money so um, that's why I wanted to get him on and we had him and now he's gone. Don't know what happened there, and we just called him, and he went to voicemail. So, um, what what he what he says is that panic is not good. And you heard him say that about not selling stock when you see the stock market taking a big tumble like it has in the last few days, um, and you you wonder, you know, what you're supposed to do. And uh, he, he he told you the, the smart people uh, who again the smart people who have the money are. Um, they're buying stock right now. And the idea that stimulus and spending spending lots of money turns things around, he points out in his piece that in 2009, right after Barack Obama took over, the Obama administration spent tons of money bailing out uh, General Motors and, you remember, uh, uh, cash for clunkers where they wanted people to come in and they, they, they bought cars from people. It was uh, really very strange, and uh, none of that, that was all kind of uh, counterproductive, and he he points out that that it just didn't work, and he says now that he said the, the Obama administration's numbers every year from 2009 to 2011, unemployment came in higher than Obama uh, and their administration predicted it would. It, higher than, than than it would have if they had done nothing. So we lost him somehow. So I'll, I'll just tell you what he says here. I, I prefer to have him on talking about it himself, but he says uh, in this piece, in the throes of uh, uh, coronavirus uh, financial crisis, Nancy Pelosi is still spreading her economic pixie dust. She said, actually said back in, uh, and he calls it the, one of the dumbest things ever said by anybody uh, in government a little over 10 years ago that uh, Nancy Pelosi said one of the dumbest things in modern times, she said, the best way to stimulate the economy was with, quote, unemployment insurance and food stamps. That's the way to fix the economy. Uh, and I mean, just imagine the stupidity of that. And um, Stephen Moore's point uh, was that if you want people to spend money, you got to let them have money that they wouldn't normally have, and you do that by what? Cutting taxes. And of course, what liberals never seem to—well, I think they know it, but they just don't like it to be said out loud—is that if the government is going to give money 
to you or give money to anybody, they have to take it from somebody first. So there's a a Peter, uh, you know, robbing Peter to pay Paul concept that doesn't come into play when you uh, cut taxes, as opposed to when you just start throwing money at things and, and taking money from uh, the working people and, and, and giving it to businesses or whoever you want to give it to. Uh, okay, yeah. Um, you know what? Um, so, well, I guess we're gonna. Well, I guess we're not gonna get him. Uh, Aaron tells me we're something happened there. We just lost him. I apologize for that. I was looking forward to talking to him. I mean, this guy worked with Donald Trump in 2016. Uh, wrote a book about it. But anyway, I'll just go on about this. Um, and I, I, I think he makes a lot of good points in here. It says Time Magazine put Obama on its cover with a cigar and a top hat back then looking like uh, a dapper Franklin Roosevelt. It was fitting because Obama had in mind a supersized New Deal. The promises were alluring. Obama told us that the money would be spent quickly on vital, remember this, shovel-ready projects. Soon after it passed, Joe Biden predicted that 2009 would bring, quote, the summer of recovery. That was back in 2009. We didn't get a recovery for a long time after that, and that was after lots of money was given away. Um... The Obama's numbers, as I said, the, the unemployment was in, came in higher than they promised after they spent all that money. Uh, and uh, Harvard economist Robert Barrow explained during the Great Recession why the spending spigot didn't grow flowers. Every time heightened fiscal deficits fail, the policy advice is to choose still larger deficits. The results from following this policy advice are persistently lower growth, an exploding ratio of public public debt to GDP. That's what we got. Donald Trump's economy kind of fixed it, and um, he's going to try to fix it again. But we're heading for a, a recession. Everybody agrees on that. It's just a matter of um, how bad it will be and how long it will last. And uh, Donald Trump said today, he promised today that it would the economy would come uh, crash, uh, come roaring back. We'll see. But meanwhile, uh, we'll, take, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you after the break. But right now, let's go to this. What are the children eating today? Only tomatoes with uh, tortilla. Are they still hungry? Right now, they are hungry. They want food, and we don't have money enough to get to that whole week. How does it make her feel when she can't feed her children? Sometimes I get in my room by myself and I cry. I wonder how can I make their life better and have more money in order to give them food. I don't want my sons and my daughters to suffer. And that was Paul Jacobs of Food for the Poor, and he joins us now. Paul, so uh, I, I, good to have you back here. Last uh, year we, we talked to you, you were working in Haiti and all the great things you did down there. So now you're in Guatemala. Uh, what, what differences have you seen maybe in Guatemala, better, worse than Haiti? And you know, how, have you, how are you attacking that compared to how you attack things in Haiti? You know, it's interesting. Uh, first of all, it's the work of your listeners that mm-hmm. made the progress in Haiti bringing emergency food relief, bringing water to communities that have been just completely decimated by a crisis, a food crisis, a weather crisis, political crisis. And now we've turned our attention to Guatemala. For more than almost 10 years, I've been traveling back and forth to Guatemala. And when you ask when I, what I've seen is a difference, I've seen the difference where Food for the Poor ministry partners and our listeners who resource those ministry partners are working right now. Mm-hmm. Communities like La Culebra, This is a community of 100 families, and half of those families live so far out from any type of what we would call city city centers or modern civilization. It is literally, they call it La Culebra because it means the viper. It's a very winding roads, one-lane roads, very dangerous trek in and out of there. And then these mothers' families are forced to come in and out of there where they live to find work, to find clean, safe water, which is non-existent. They get it from a municipal source. The pipes are rotten, and the children have to drink this water, and they're getting sick regularly. And so we are working in this community, and we've already got community leaders that have helped us identify the most critical cases, the most critical families. We met several of them on our trip just a few weeks ago, and I'm telling you, 
with your listeners' help, with you listening right now, just saying, hey, I want to step into the life of a family, a mother, a father, a, a, a family that desperately needs just a hand up. Um, they can get the water and the food that they need to survive. There are two ways that you can give your gift to food for the poor. Call 844-868-4673 or give online at foodforthepoor.com slash Guatemala crisis. $80 provides food for a year and water for life for one child. $160 provides food for a year and water for life for two children. $320 or $27 per month provides food for a year and water for life for one family. $640 $640 or $54 a month provides food for a year and water for life for two families. Any size gift will make a difference in the lives of poor families in Guatemala. Paul, so uh, explain how you can provide water for life for a child for 80 bucks yeah, for, a year, for his life. Yeah, it's interesting because when we sat back and thought about it, we, we really did say this is water for life. When our ministry partner works with us in a community. They basically either, based on the topography or the geography of the community, we install either a water well or a water purification unit. That water purification unit alone provides 10,000 gallons of clean, pristine water every single day. As long as those families are living in that community, that water well, that water purification unit is maintained and it is pumping clean, safe water for those families. Water for life. Wow. And this is, uh, this is uh, for someone who might have to, before that purification system goes in there, would be walking three or four hours to get buckets of water and then walk back somehow, get back with those buckets of water and not be sure that that was even good enough for their kids to drink. Yeah, Placida was one of the moms in the exact situation that you just described, Mm -hmm. walking hours to get water from a standing pipe. That water is miles away at its source, but the piping is rotten. The, The source of the water is polluted. And when we met her children... And I noticed that the five-year-old girl, the older of the two children, five and three, the five-year-old had this pot belly. Mm-hmm. And when she said the children don't eat every day, I thought, how could she have such a big belly and not eat every day? And she just plainly said, it's because the water. There is parasites and waterborne um, uh, parasites in the water that is causing that bloating. And she gets sick often. The both of the children get sick often. And we want to stop that. We need your help to stop that immediately. For a limited time only, if you are a business owner and you want to partner with AM1250 The Answer to support food for the poor, we'd like to offer you a unique marketing opportunity. If you make a donation of $1,200 to Food for the Poor, The Answer Pittsburgh will provide your business with 40 60-second commercials that you may use to promote your business. We'll write and produce these commercials at no cost to you. As a business benefactor, you'll enjoy the benefits of marketing your business to the AM1250 The Answer audience while also supporting the great work being done by Food for the Poor. To become an Answer business benefactor and take advantage of this limited-time offer, please contact General Sales Manager Mike Howard at 412-503-4761. That's 412-503-4761. Note to businesses, your gift is tax deductible. Paul Jacobs, Food for the Poor, uh, good luck with uh, this campaign, and we'll do whatever we can to help out, and I think our listeners will come through. Paul, thanks, and good luck. Thank you. With SRN News, I'm John Scott. President Trump promising he's going big with plans to blunt the economic pain caused by the coronavirus outbreak. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin said the government intends to send checks to Americans within the two next two weeks. The Trump administration allowing Americans to delay paying their taxes. As the nation grapples with the pandemic, Treasury Secretary Mnuchin encouraging Americans who can to file their taxes on or before April 15th to do so that they don't lose out on their tax refunds. But he says that if Americans owe the IRS money, they can defer up to $1 million for individuals and $10 million for corporations without interest and penalties for 90 days. On Wall Street, stocks have been up and down on this Tuesday. The Dow finishing ahead 1,049 points. The Nasdaq up 430. This is SRN News. 
Maybe you can relate to this. A lot of people think they're stuck with their health plan. It costs too much or for whatever reason, they just don't like it. The great news, you are not stuck with it. There is a choice. It's called MediShare and you could save so much. The typical savings for a family is 500 bucks a month. Major difference maker. This is the affordable alternative to health insurance. And just to give you a little more info about MediShare, it's a Christian healthcare sharing ministry. It's worked beautifully for 26 years, has more than 400,000 members, and they've shared over $3 billion of each other's medical bills. So yes, they can help share your needs too. So you're not stuck. There's an excellent alternative, whether you're single or married, you got a family. MediShare is super flexible. You can choose an option that works for you and start saving lots of money. You can join anytime. They're great to talk to. No pressure. Call 844-45-BIBLE. That's 844-45-BIBLE. 844-45-BIBLE. Dr. Sebastian Gorka believes we haven't seen the last of the tricks. I look at Pfizergate. I look at Russiagate. I look at the Mueller probe. I look at Stormy Daniels. I look at Michael Cohen. I look at the Ukraine phone call. On and on and on. If there is a dirty tactic that hasn't been invented by the left, they will invent it and they will deploy it against this president. America First with Dr. Sebastian Gorka. Afternoons at 3, right before John Steigerwald at 5 on AM 1250. The answer. Do you or your business have financial problems? Are you overwhelmed with debt? Then call me, Attorney Dennis Spire at 412-471-7675. My legal practice concentrates on bankruptcy law, debtor rights, and tax matters. I have over 30 years' experience as a former United States Department of Justice bankruptcy attorney and lawyer in private practice. I have represented thousands of cases faced with financial problems and lawsuits. Reorganize and get a fresh start. Call 412-471-7675 or visit my website at DennisSpira.com. When you've got water, fire, or smoke damage, there's no debate. You have to vote yellow. Call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Our team is ready to help 24 hours a day. Demand a yellow van. Call Service Master. Politics can be, well, dirty. That's one mess Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh can't clean up. But we've got you covered on everything else, from water damage to smoke and fire damage. Demand a yellow van. Service Master. The Allegheny Institute's research, education, and advocacy have steadfastly worked to defend taxpayers and businesses against the inefficiency and intrusiveness of ever-expanding, burdensome government since 1995. And this year, Greater Pittsburgh's trusted source for sound public policy analysis is celebrating its 25th anniversary. Join the fight today by making your tax-deductible contribution at AlleghenyInstitute.org. That's AlleghenyInstitute.org. I'm doing it all, the water, the fiber, the exercise, but I still have constipation with belly pain, straining, and bloating that keeps coming back. My doctor said I may have a chronic medical condition called Irritable Bowel Syndrome with Constipation, or IBSC. Linzess, linaclotide, is a prescription medication that treats adults with IBS with constipation. Linzess helps relieve belly pain and lets you have more frequent and complete bowel movements. Individual results may vary. Do not give to children less than 6, and it should not be given to children 6 to less than 18. It may harm them. Do not take Linzess if you have a bowel blockage. Get immediate help if you develop unusual or severe stomach pain, especially with bloody or black stools. The most common side effect is diarrhea, sometimes severe. If it's severe, stop taking Linzess and call your doctor right away. Other side effects include gas, stomach area pain, and swelling. Talk to your doctor and learn more at Linzess.com. That's L-I-N-Z-E-S-S dot com or call 1-800-LINZ-S. Sponsored by Allergan Pharmaceuticals and Ironwood Pharmaceuticals. Wash your hands, avoid sick people, and touching your face. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Visit cdc.gov slash COVID-19. Brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and this station. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. WPGP Pittsburgh. CS Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. On the Parkway North, the HOV lanes are shut down until further notice. PA Turnpike, no cash or credit cards at the toll booths. It's easy pass or toll by plate only. And also there's limited service at the service centers. No dine in there. Now on Carnahan Road, that is shut down in Banksville for construction between Younger Avenue and 19. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer. Weather. 
A few clouds in the sky tonight with a low 32. Thickening clouds tomorrow with a touch of afternoon rain and a high 58. Tomorrow night, more rain, rather mild with a low 59. Thursday, mainly cloudy and warm with some spotty showers during the afternoon and a high 67. Friday, cloudy with a couple showers and a thunderstorm and a high 69. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm Gregory Patrick. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Ever since the coronavirus attacked the United States, wiped out sports, uh, we've heard lots of stories about how hard it is for the college basketball players, how tough it is on them, missing out on uh, playing in the tournament and everything, men and women, and the uh, disappointment for pro athletes in every sport. Made me think of the greatest generation, guys like Bob Feller and Ted Williams, and how athletes from that generation... Uh, how much tougher it was for them to have their seasons interrupted and what it was interrupted for. I came across a story by Ivan Mazel of ESPN and thought it really put things in perspective. And Ivan joins us now. Thanks for being here, Ivan. Oh, my pleasure, John. I certainly don't have anything else to do. Yeah, that's a that's a good point there. You work for ESPN. What are you going to do? Um, <laughs> y- your story is about uh, two football teams that left for what they thought was a a nice trip to Hawaii in late November of 1941. What happened? Well, the two teams, San Jose State, uh, which, of course, we all know, and, and Willamette College, now Willamette University, which is a uh, lower division school in the NCAA. At that time, they were on the same level as Hawaii, and they made a contract. The two of them would sail on a liner to Oahu, and over the course of 10 days, there were, the three teams would play a round robin. And uh, they they arrived on Thursday, December 4th, and their boat, their ship departed to go back to the mainland. And on the 6th, Willamette played Hawaii, and, and they lost, mostly because they had all been deathly seasick on the, on the ship on the way over. And uh, the next morning, they're eating breakfast, in down at their hotel in downtown Oahu, and and uh, ten miles down the beach, the Japanese began to attack Pearl Harbor, and all of a sudden, you had these two football teams that were marooned on Oahu and didn't know when they would get back home, if ever. That's a little tougher than having it uh, having your season interrupted by a virus. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, um, and was anybody associated with the teams? Worried about the danger of making that trip at the time, uh, going across the Pacific to, you know, from California to Hawaii. Uh, yeah, it, it, as a matter of fact, the, uh, the the head coach at San Jose State was concerned about it to the point that uh, his wife, who always traveled with him, uh, he told her not to come. And at that time, the way uh, the way newspapers operated. The, Schools would pay their way. Schools would pay for their travel to games, and and the school said no riders uh, could come either. So he was concerned, but uh, just because the there was certainly tension uh, between the Japanese and the Americans at the time, but you know, no one suspected, obviously, that this would happen. So there was a level of concern, but. Really, nobody had any idea that it would actually it would actually be an attack. Yeah, and for a bunch of college kids, uh, going to Hawaii would seem like a, a pretty good deal to go over there. I guess they, you say they left. It was late November, so they were already there a week and a half or so before the uh, before the attack on Pearl Harbor. So they no, got a ch- no. Actually, they didn't get there until the fourth. Oh. Left the week. it took them a week to get there. On oh, the okay, okay. And uh, they got there on the 4th, and they were still a little wobbly because the Pacific, you know, at that time of year, can be pretty tough. Uh, the, the one great piece of trivia about their ride over is that the ship departed to come back to the mainland on Friday the 5th, and there was a, a, a semi-pro football player on the on the ship coming back, who had played in Honolulu for a hundred dollars a game that fall, uh, he had been an All-American at UCLA, and uh, his name was Jackie Robinson. Wow! He, he missed being stuck there by forty-eight hours. 
Wow. Um, yeah. So and so after the after the bombs drop and as the bombs are dropping they're actually watching it happen right as it, uh, they were able to uh, at least see the planes coming in from where they were well they they were having breakfast and they kept seeing these uh, you know splashes in the water outside of in the ocean outside of their hotel they were 10 miles down the beach and the waiters in the hotel just said, oh, that's that's target practice. You know, that's our people doing target practice. And then all of a sudden, a woman ran shrieking into the lobby of the hotel saying that she and her husband, as they were driving, had been strafed by a, an, air, an airplane, you know, a Japanese airplane. And then everybody knew that something had really gone wrong. And uh, a few players had made a date with some co-eds, as they were called at the time, with some students at University of Hawaii and who lived in Honolulu, who grew up in Honolulu, and they, one of the women lived in the hills above the harbor, and they went up to this girl's house, the three players, and they just watched the attack. And, and you know, the Clearly, these kids, it was something that they you know, they lived for another 50, 60 years. It was something they never forgot. Yeah, and um, so then, the, so the, the attack is real, and they find out that what happened. They're probably, I'm guessing that they, they're not really aware of the of the size of the attack or how many people were killed and, you know, what it meant. As you look back on it now, we all know what it was. But back then, it might have been, must have been just total chaos for them. Well, absolutely. The, uh, the, uh, the territorial, Hawaii was not yet a state, so the territorial government declared martial law, and they took the two the players from the two teams from San Jose State and Willamette and, and basically said, how can we use these young men to help? And some of them they made guards because the soldiers and sailors themselves were all busy. So they guarded some military uh, establishments. Others became policemen in Honolulu uh, immediately, you know, with, with no training. And they, they just put them to work as best they could. You know, they, they put up barbed wire, they dug trenches, they guarded, they became cops. And they didn't really do it. They all assumed they were going to be there for a very long time. And, you know, nobody could figure out how anybody was going to get off the island. And so how did they how did they manage to get a ship to get them back? Well, after uh, not quite two weeks had passed and the Navy figured out that they really needed to get the most severely wounded uh, military personnel as well as the families of military personnel back to the mainland. Uh, two ships that had left Manila and headed east arrived uh, in Honolulu, and they very quickly outfitted those ships as hospital ships and began to load them with the, the sailors who most needed medical help that could only be had in the, in, on the mainland. And one of the coaches of the two teams, the coach at Willamette, went to the uh, naval uh, base, went you know to the boss, the, the chief admiral, and said, "You know, can our can we get our football players on that ship? Maybe they can work on the ship." So they made all of them orderlies to help the wounded, uh, burned sailors and uh they within a matter of hours went from being cops and so forth and, and guards to becoming orderlies and they all not only of them some of them liked the jobs they were doing and stayed in hawaii because they were making 160 dollars a month which was a lot of money the rest of them headed back onto the hospital ship and which was no garden cruise i mean they were, they were japanese submarines patrolling the California coast and their ship, you know, they had to, they, they sailed in blackout conditions. All the portholes had to be kept shut. So the water was rough 
they couldn't get any fresh air into the ship and and they sailed in a blackout so that was a very long week it took to get from Honolulu back to the states yeah and uh, they they had to have their life jackets on because now they know there's a war on and uh, a submarine could be floating around out there with torpedoes they could be hit any time absolutely in fact there was a channel not not a channel but there was a a route that ships took from Hawaii to San Francisco, uh, this ship sailed 65 miles north of that route to be as far away from, you know, the, where the Japanese thought they might be as possible. And uh, about four days in, when they were a day or two away from the coast, they began to put on life jackets and go under straight blackout because there the the Japanese, the subs were sinking merchant vessels. You know, a couple of oil tankers went down off of, off of L.A. So they knew they were out there, but uh, the ship made it. Uh, they sailed right under the two-year-old Golden Gate Bridge on, uh, at 8 o'clock Christmas morning. Yeah, what a story. It's a movie, by the way, Ivan. It's a, it's a great <laughs> story for a movie. Uh, we're talking to Ivan Mazel of ESPN, and um, you can find the piece if you just uh, Google Ivan Mazel, M-A-I-S-E-L, ESPN, and uh, San Jose State, Pearl Harbor. I'm sure it'll pop up. Uh, and you wrote this story on December 24th, right? Christmas Eve. Yeah, it, it posted uh, right at, you know, at the Christmas season last year. Also did it as a podcast. Uh, we did a series of podcasts for the 150th anniversary of college football last year called Down and Distance. And so they, they are available on Apple Podcasts or wherever anybody gets their podcasts. And that was one of the episodes. It's the story of San Jose State and Willamette. And what was Ken Bailey's story? I thought that was a pretty good one. Yeah, Ken Bailey was the, he was a, what a story. He was a player for San Jose State and uh, served as a guard. Uh, he, he was a scrappy guy, didn't start for San Jose State, but he played a lot. Uh, he uh, decided not to play his last year of eligibility and enlisted in the Navy. And in the library at San Jose State uh, are his letters home. Uh, during from his service, and he describes uh, going into the service, playing service football in Virginia, uh, going into the quartermaster corps, and uh, his the the last letter he sent home was, uh, I believe, on December first, nineteen forty three. The the ship he was serving on had docked in Bari, Italy. And uh, the Americans had established uh, a harbor, you know, had captured and established a, a safe harbor in Bari in southern Italy, thinking it was too far south for the Luftwaffe to hit their ships. Uh, they were not correct about that. And very on a, the night of December 2nd, with the lights blazing as they were working to unload the ships, the Luftwaffe attacked the harbor at Barry, and Ken Bailey uh, died on one of those ships, which it was such a disaster. They were, it was referred to in naval history as Little Pearl Harbor. You know, so here was a guy that was at Pearl Harbor, survived it, and then died in Little Pearl Harbor in Italy. It's a great story. I'm just wondering if, if uh, you were like me uh, at all and – when you heard the stories about all these uh, people having their, these guys and women having their seasons just interrupted like that, if you thought at all about that, uh, the story you wrote when you, when you, you know, when you were hearing stories about how teams were going to have to interrupt their seasons or cancel them. Well, obviously, the longest interruption that I can think of to professional sports occurred because of, of World War Two, and. Uh, and I sat there, John, and tried to come up with parallels, but it, it, it was really just so, so it's such apples and oranges. You know, we yeah. don't know how long this one's going to last. And this one is not the, 
this is certainly a national uh, catastrophe, but it doesn't begin to, at this point, rise to the level of, no. of either World War Two or the Spanish flu that hit at the end of World War One. So, you know, so far, knock on wood, we're all lucky. We're just all bored at this point. Yeah, I, I've always uh, been fascinated by the stories about the guys like Bob Feller the day after... Yes. The day after uh, Pearl Harbor, he went down and enlisted in the Navy. Um, and served on the USS Alabama. I grew up in Mobile, and it's now dry docked in Mobile as a tourist attraction. So Bob Feller is a big name because he served on, in Mobile, where I grew up. Yeah. Ivan, I'm out of time, but I got—I have to—I uh, just got to throw in there that the last time I saw you was at Bino Cook's memorial service at the uh, at, at the PAA here in Pittsburgh. I know he was yep. a good friend of yours, and he is uh, still missed in the college football world, isn't he? He sure is. I think about Bino you know, often. Uh, you know, we just love to know what he'd have to say about this situation and so many things that happened in the 150th anniversary of college football. I, I really uh, wish Bino had been here for. But those of us who knew him and loved him sure thought about him a lot during that celebration. Yeah, I got thirty seconds. I continue. Give me your favorite Beano Cook story. I know it's unfair in thirty seconds. It can be a quote well, if you yeah, want. I did a podcast with him for a number of years at ESPN, and I remember on the morning of uh, the seventh game of the World Series, we were recording a podcast, and I said to ask him if he was going was going to watch it. He said I wouldn't watch it if they were playing in my kitchen. So, yeah, that's that was Beano on baseball. Oh, yeah. That was beating on baseball. Hey, uh, hey, Ivan, I really appreciate you doing this. I think it's a great story. I hope people can find it. Google it, and you'll find it. Uh, Ivan Maisel, M-A-I-S-E-L, and San Jose State, Pearl Harbor, ESPN. You'll find it. Read the story, because we, we didn't do it justice here. But a great piece, and I'm glad you wrote it. I'm glad you came on here to talk about it. Thanks. Thanks for having me, John. Okay, and we'll be right back. It's time to stand with Israel. Sebastian Gorka here, inviting you to register for a life-changing trip to Israel, December 2nd to 11th. Join me, my friend Mike Lindell, and hundreds of patriots on the Stand with Israel tour, a journey to the Holy Land to get first-hand insights into Israel's fascinating past and promising future. Register today at sebgorka.com. On the Stand with Israel tour, history, culture, and faith will converge right before your eyes in a truly remarkable country. I'll take you behind the scenes to explore over 40 iconic sites during an all-inclusive 10-day tour this December. We'll pray at the ancient Western Wall, sail the picturesque Sea of Galilee, float on the Dead Sea, explore modern Tel Aviv, and much more. Best of all, we'll be together with like-minded supporters of the nation of Israel. Reserve your spot today and travel with me on the Stand with Israel tour. Visit Seb Gork and click on the Israel banner. That's sebgorka.com, S-E-B-G-O-R-K-A.com. Are you hiring? Do you know where to post your job to find the best candidates? Posting your job in one place isn't enough to find quality candidates. If you want to find the perfect hire, you need to post your job on all the top job sites. And now you can. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, all with a single click. Find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. Quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by over 400,000 businesses. And right now, listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash America. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash America. One more time. To try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash America. Hi, this is Rhett Rasmussen of BestHotGrill.com. We make the Solaire Infrared Grills, those amazing gas grills that heat up to over 1,000 degrees in just three minutes to provide professional chef quality performance in your own backyard. Now, you won't find them in the big box stores. 
Solaire is sold only by the finest specialty retailers who recognize Solaire as the only real hot, fast grill. If you live in an area without a Solaire dealer, Solaire has the demo program where you can try a mini version of a full-size grill in your own backyard, grilling the foods you love. It's made with the same design, materials, components, and performance of the big Solaires, but in a size Solaire can easily ship to you. Try before you buy so you'll know firsthand why Solaire is the last grill you'll ever purchase. Learn more about the demo program and these fantastic USA-made grills at BestHotGrill.com. That's BestHotGrill.com. BestHotGrill.com. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy & Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing. Having the experience to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy & Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job. It's what we do. You have the same goals we all do, to protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Hagerman Law, legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. This election year, you can vote red or you can vote blue, but yellow is always the right choice. Demand the yellow van when you have water damage and call Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh. Demand the yellow van. Service Master. Politics can be, well, dirty. That's one mess Service Master of Greater Pittsburgh can't clean up. But we've got you covered on everything else, from water damage to smoke and fire damage. The man, the yellow van, called Service Master. You're listening to the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Well, let's finish up with some sports. You only got about a minute and a half here. Uh, in case you haven't heard, Tom Brady is about to sign apparently, by all accounts, with Tampa Bay. The Tampa Bay Bucks are going to pay him $30 million a year for at least one year. And uh, he's going to go down there and play. He told the Patriots he didn't want to play there anymore. Apparently, according to one report, he was upset because some other big names like Stephon Diggs and DeAndre Hopkins, two really good receivers, signed with other teams. And he was annoyed that the Patriots didn't sign one of them. So he's going to go to Tampa Bay. He's going to be 43 years old. He's coming off a year when he was mediocre, at least his stats were, playing for a team that wasn't all that great. And he's going to a team that finished 7-9 and nine last year at 43 years old. If he does succeed, it'll be as much about how easy it's become to succeed as a quarterback in the NFL as it will be about his greatness. I don't get given a guy 43 years old $35 million or $30 million based on what he did in the past. That's how you lose. The John Steigerwall Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group.